pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. what is going on welcome to another edition of the roto grinders after dark grinders live after dark pga edition typically there's a guy with a little bit more hair than me a little bit different sounding voice he is stl cardinals but he is on vacation so no justin today you're getting dan bach db 730 in the flesh talking some daily fantasy golf with you with our usual suspects though who are with us we've got Gib Pollard uh, apparently live from uh, Aaron Hills uh, I love the background there Gib how are you sir uh, yeah I'm I, I'd love to say that I'm here at live at Aaron Hills but unfortunately I am not this is all trick photography but it's good mate I I, I know that Father's Day is coming up on Sunday but you know the day before the US Open feels like Christmas or the night before Christmas for me so I'm getting pumped to, to sort of uh, take in the uh, US Open this year I think it's gonna be a great one yeah I love the US Open it's a great tournament and uh, we'll get to uh, a lot of the narratives that we have also joining us Brian Devonshire uh, out there in Colorado is that where you're at Yes, sir. High country, about 9,000 feet right now. Yeah, and I love you're always so patriotic with that American flag in the back. So uh, go USA. <laughs> <laughs> now, Devo, uh, you know, this is where do you rank the majors in terms of DFS play? Uh, US Open, Masters, British Open, PGA. Like, does one of these stand out for you in terms of whether it's edge, whether it's just enjoyability to watch? Take me through your kind of thought process on that first. I think the first one always gets a little bit more of the action. People are getting excited for the major. Uh, so that was what, the Masters this year? Yeah. Yeah, and the Masters is just a special event. The problem with that one is it's uh, you know such a narrow field and so much of it is decided on putting. Uh, people are, of course, into all of them. I think this one is probably two or three with the players coming last. And the British Open being somewhere there in between. People love making Scottish accents talking about golf. <laughs> well, what I like about this compared to the Masters is the field is so much bigger. And uh, I think it lends itself to having maybe ownership spread out a little bit more compared to the Masters where it's a smaller field. You got a bunch of old timers who suck anyway, who nobody's playing. And uh, I think you can have a lot more overlap in terms of the lineups that you build. But U.S. Open, huge. What is it? Is it give us like 120 100, people? 156, I think it is. 156 and only 60 making the cut. Yeah. yeah and, they, and they got rid of that tie, you know, 10 strokes within the lead tie rule. So, yeah, it's just top 60 and ties, 156 player field. 
definitely going to be much more important to get all six of your players through to the weekend. It is. And it's going to be, uh, so it could be a difficult task. I mean, we've seen the last couple of weeks, a lot of chalky guys uh, end up not making the cut. And uh, I think the six for six on DraftKings the last couple of weeks kind of hovering around like 10 to 12%. So uh, sometimes when the chalky guys do well, you can see that upwards of 20, 30%, but we haven't seen that here. And, uh, and Gib, you know, I love the U.S. Open, but this is this course at Aaron Hills is already kind of had a lot of controversy behind it. Um, you know, quick, let, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, Devo, I know you give a lot of the course breakdown, but Gib, there's like news that's just kind of breaking today regarding the course, correct? Yeah, they, uh, I, I don't know whether or not they say because of the weather, they decided to give the fescue a bit of a haircut. And so they've, they've been mowing down certain sections just off the fairway. But maybe it's a bit of complaining from the uh, some some of the other players. A lot of social media sort of rants. Uh, Kevin Nair is, I think, the poster child. I think this year of that. And I, I don't know whether it's you know all the the golfers complaining or whether or not it is is legit because of the rain that came in and that fescue was really gnarly before the rain. And I can only imagine after the rain it 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 was just brutal. So. Yeah, they've cut it down a little bit. Uh, they're getting a bit of a haircut. It's still going to be pretty hard because all they did is just chop a little bit off the top or, you know, X percentage off the top. But it's still, when your ball lands down there, it still might be hard for them to get a, a club head behind the ball. So it could still be played pretty hard if you knock it, if you don't get it on the fairway. Diva, what do you think of that? Like, do you think that they should have done that? Do you think this that players should even be complaining about this because you're right. It seems to be, uh, you know, obviously the Kevin Na video kind of went viral, but I know Wesley Bryan had a video like a week or so ago where he did something very similar to that. Um, do you think the players should just suck it up and play it? Or do you think there's something to what they're saying about the fescue and the course not playing fair enough? I think they should relax. The U.S. Open traditionally tries to get the scores as close to chalk as they can possibly get them. They don't want to see guys shooting, you know, double digits below par. They want to see them shooting over par. So the best way to do that is to build tall grass to screw with you about some more. And they're still leaving the fine fescue at four to four and a half, five inches, which is pretty dang thick. So, I mean, it went from ridiculous to still dang difficult and it's going to be raining all weekend. So I, I have no problem with whatever they're doing to set up this course. Yeah. You know, I think the, the thing that, that I have read about this course so much too is that, and Rory said it just best the other day was these are the largest fairways that they've ever played at a U.S. open. This isn't, you know, like you're playing really tight quarters here. It's hard to hit fairways to begin with. And now when you don't, you're screwed. I, I actually think the fescue is playing more like a water hazard where like you shouldn't be hitting it there to begin with. And if you are, you deserve to be penalized for that. So, you know, I think this is maybe a little bit more dramatic than people make it out to be because even the, the course creators give said like the only – Thing that we have that protects this course is that fescue that's it you know right. that in the wind and if there's not going to be wind this week then this course could really play a lot easier than i think people are making it out to be this week i saw 
the Vegas line on what the finishing score was at minus eight, that seems kind of high for the U.S. Open. And I probably mm-hmm. would take the over, like be more like minus nine, 10 or 11. So what do you think on that? Um, well, the, there's one other thing that is getting overlooked because of all this fescue. I mean, the fescue is sort of the, as Devi would say, the shiny object. But I think the underlying diabolical part of this course are the bunkers. I mean, they look gnarly themselves. Some of them, they're unkept. They're, they, they don't shave them. So, you know, they're nice manicured bunkers. They are rough, rugged. Uh, Frank Navalo had a really good segments throughout the day yesterday on, on some of these really bad, uh, sort of manicured bunkers where you can actually get them plugged into the face of an, an eroded bunker and good luck getting that out. I, I think it was, we Kim had a, a social media post where yeah, he tried to go, one. yeah, he tried to go for the pin and he's caddy. I think it was his caddy saying, if I was your caddy or as your caddy, I'd go left and he tried going directly at the pin and he still missed it. So he went left and then he still got it and he still came crept back into the bunker. So I think the bunkers are going to play just as bad as the fescue. So, you know, I, I I have a feeling it's going to be tougher than what a a few people might think just because the bunkers alone. Yeah. Now to be fair, I saw that video and it was kind of like, I mean, it was a terrible lie in like the worst thin little bunker he couldn't even stand like it was kind of like over dramatic and I think there's some of that going on here but you know push comes to shove everybody's going to be playing the same course and you know my bigger concern is when the USGA remember I think it was like 04 in Shinnecock where it was so dry they refused to water those greens and people were hitting good shots literally feet away from the hole and it would roll off it was impossible to – that kind of golf is what people don't want to see. And I don't think that's what we're going to have here for this tournament. So I'm kind of excited to kind of see, you know, what it yields. Probably going to be some really big scores out there, but I also think, you know, guys can go low. Well, Devo, let's give us the uh, rundown on the specs of this course. Again, first time that it's hosted a major championship. It's only a, a handful of years old. So give us the lowdown on Aaron Hills. Well, I'll start with the greens, as you were just talking about. They're larger than average, coming in at 6,500 square feet on average, and they're going to be slow. 13 feet on the stint meter with all the rain we're expecting today, tomorrow, throughout the weekend, really. They're going to be, it's going to be pretty soft. They also have had this course closed since last fall, October, I believe. So there's no ball marks on these, on these pitches, and they're just absolutely perfect. They're bent grass. They're going to roll true if you can see those lines. And, you know, the best putter is definitely going to have a little bit more edge there, I think. The course is very long. The fairways are very wide. On the front nine, they're, you know, 35, 40 yards on average or so, which is pretty extreme. Uh, The tour average is 31 yards on average, and the U.S. Open average is 26 yards. So I started digging into a stat average distance from the center of the fairway. And it turns out the best guys on tour are about 20 yards. And Dustin Johnson's like an average of 29 yards from the center of the fairway. So it's definitely going to be important to keep the ball in that fairway, avoid all 138 of those bunkers. The fescue, as we talked about, is thick and rough. 
But if you can keep it in the fairway, you're going to definitely have an edge with some distance. This is still a long course that's going to play longer with the moisture, but they're going to be able to take long irons into these soft greens. So I can see a lot of merit for both driving distance and driving accuracy. I'm not really sure like where the herd is going to go as far as what they're targeting. I kind of want to go against that grain really. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, no, I definitely think like the, you know, the, the distance is the big thing people are talking about here, Gib. But the other thing that I've heard and I've, you know, been reading so much about this course this week is I, you know, was hosting the show and really want to play heavy is that the, the prevailing wind uh, on a lot of these holes is kind of like downwind, uh, especially in some of the longer holes. So they're not, so they feel like it's doesn't really play as big as some of the numbers show. Now, again, the USGA can tinker with it in terms of what they do with tee boxes and whatnot. And we know how they think, like they want this to be as close to even par, the toughest test in golf you can have. But I, I still am not sold that this is going to go down as, you know, one of the most difficult U.S. Opens that we've seen. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it's going to be one of the most difficult. Um, you know, Marion at plus one for the winner, Justin Rose, that, that was somewhat, I think, the most difficult in recent memory. But, I mean, Jordan Spieth won Chambers Bay. He's not necessarily that massive off the tee. And Brandon Grace yep. was in contention as well. And, you know, it was debatable whether or not this was going to overtake Chambers Bay as the longest U.S. Open in history. So, you know, uh, Mike Davis or, you know, Mr. Burns, as I like to call him, he has the opportunity to make it as, as, as easy as he wants or they can push it out to, I think, 7,800. They have so much flexibility in where they put their tee boxes. They can make it, I think, uh, 7,600 yards all the way up to uh, 7,800 yards. So who knows what they're going to do day to day. Uh, so I have a feeling that even though people are talking about distance, I, I think some of the smaller hitters uh, might be able to sort of work their way around this course as well. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. And I think that they got a lot of negative feedback from Chambers Bay a couple of years ago that uh, I think that also played into some of the caution that they have in terms of cutting down that fescue and, and how they kind of set up this course. Cause I don't think they really like being called out that much. And obviously we had the fiasco last year with, uh, with Dustin Johnson and the scoring. So who knows what this year will have all I know. And this is where I'm a little bit disappointed here, guys. It's father's day weekend, which is great for, for this, but I have a dance recital at really the finishing time of the U S open. So am I wrong to be checking my DraftKings scores and be updating the, uh, the golf scoring at the recital? Am I being a bad dad by doing this? Yeah. Just do it sneaky like. Aren't you allowed to do what you want to do on Father's Day? Or is that, that just like completely thrown out the window once you become a father? Well, no. See, I think that actually gives me the leeway to check my phone, but it certainly doesn't give me the leeway to like not go to the recital. Like that's wow. zero chance that's going to happen, but that's the card I'm going to play until I get dirty looks from the wife or, you know, the people sitting next to us. But this is, uh, this is the first father's day where it's actually going to be father's day. Usually my wife and I, we switch. I do father's day on mother's day. I go play golfing with my mates who are single. And then, cause there's no, there's no dudes out in the course on mother's day. And then on uh, Father's Day, I take the kids away and she can have a nice quiet day. So this is the first time we're actually doing the, the days correctly. But 
I'm on the inverse of you, mate. I actually don't get to watch it until Sunday. I've got a pretty busy schedule here. So, you know, I'll be keeping tabs on my phone, uh, you know, Thursday through Saturday. But Sunday, hopefully I'm still in the money. And uh, I'll be really hating it, though, if, I, uh, if I'm in contention for a million dollars and it goes to extra holes because I'm flying out on Monday. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. It's an 18 hole playoff. That's right. And yeah. uh, we haven't seen that since Tiger and Rocco. And I'm a little surprised. You know, we nearly saw it in Chambers Bay. And I still have nightmares of losing hundreds of thousands of dollars on that DJ Miss Putts. Uh, but maybe, you know, Carmel will come back and, uh, you know, the fantasy gods will pay me one back here this week. That's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Quickly, if you're playing the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings this week, uh, just a little bit of strategy. Let's kind of talk a little game theory in terms of playing that tournament uh, versus some of the others, because that's going to be dry, driving in a lot of new people. I mean, I've already seen DraftKings ads all over the radio, and they haven't you know, been running advertisements since the Masters. So there's going to be a lot of new players playing this tournament, which uh, I think it's good to kind of give them the heads up on a couple of things. And again, bigger field here, so I think we have a little bit less – worry about overlap but uh you know one thing that i always preach is you know if you zero out a lineup there's a really good chance that it's not going to be a um that it's going to have a duplicate lineup that if it would hit you could be sharing that million dollars with one five ten fifty a hundred of your closest friends because a lot of people just build these lineups to get to zero so I think part of the goal in building lineups for that tournament in particular is maybe leaving a little salary on the board and just trying to differentiate your lineup construction because I think too often people are going to run duplicates out there. So for new people, don't be afraid to leave salary. This is fantasy golf. It's probably the hardest game to predict out of any of them. So that's tip number one for me. And then the other thing that I think is important too is to look at the lineup you built. And especially on DraftKings where you have six golfers, FanDuel a little bit different when you got eight, Fantasy Draft a little bit different where your lowest score is, is booted. But look at your six golfers and simply ask yourself, do you think that these guys can all finish in the top five to top ten? You don't think that one of those guys can do that. That probably isn't a lineup that you want to play because, Gib, you've seen it in the past – you got you to pretty much nail it from top to bottom to win these million dollars against these, you know, 100,000 entries that you're competing against. And, uh, and I think too often people get cute with it and say, ah, you know, I got DJ and, and Ram and Rory, but then, you know, you're stuck with, you know, crappers like Andy Pope and Cameron Champ who have zero chance of finishing in the top 10. True. Very true. Uh, though out of all the majors, this one, since it's a bigger field and it's only 60 in ties, usually more of a bloodbath, especially because it's the U.S. Open. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I don't particularly like playing majority of the lower, lower priced players. So, you know, I sort of like leaving money on the table as well. I think it's something like all the research I've done over the last couple of years. I think once you get about $300 under the max, I think you've eliminated 50%, at least 50%. So of all the other lineups out there, I think it's on like 30 to 40% max out their salary cap. So, and then um, I think it's another 200 or another 20% is uh, just $100 left on the table. So, you know, if you can get, you know, two to 300 underneath the salary cap, I think you're looking pretty.
Devo, you got anything to add on the game theory? I know that's obviously one of the things that you put a lot of your, you know, research and thought into on a week to week basis playing GPPs. Yeah, obviously just being cognizant of ownership percentage. Once again, <clears throat> you know, if players are pretty close in expectation. You do expect a great differential in their ownership then it just behooves you to take the lower owned guy. And I also think it's a, a little bit closer to like leaving 200 on the table and you're getting close to eliminating 50 to 60% of the lineups. And I know once you're kind of in the threshold beyond 500, you're basically just on your own little Island. So you also don't want to get too crazy and start leaving like, you know, thousands on the table because you're probably giving up some value. But then again, this is probably a really good week to experiment with a funky DK pricing where you have these guys in the 6K range, you know, with the same odds to win according to Vegas as many guys in the 7 and the 8K range. So maybe you could find some very competitive lineups that is leaving a significant amount of money on the table. And then you're just taking all chalk guys, but leaving money on the table to be neat. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, some people get on DraftKings, think it's too easy, but I, I think they actually price this all right. Considering the tournament that we have, the, uh, the new people who are coming into play, you want to make it comfortable for them to build a lineup and get some guys that they like. So I actually thought DraftKings did a, a decent enough job for this tournament and a lot of ways for us to go. Well, let's get into the picks here, fellas. Uh, you know, we've got, we'll start with, you know, look at DraftKings and kind of throw in some FanDuel and, and fantasy draft salaries along the way as well. Um, and we'll start with over 10K range here. And, you know, my initial build uh, I actually finished with two guys in this range in my first build for DraftKings. Um, what do you think? I mean, do we need two of these guys? I mean, we don't need. Oh, boy. Yep. We okay. So, yeah. In the top um, five here, Gib. Okay. So out of the, the 10K players, I'm looking at them. I look at Dustin Johnston and I think, can he win? Can he defend his title? Uh, the odds that he's going to defend his title, I think, are very slim, even though he is playing some of the best golf in the world right now. Or, you know, arguably he is the best or he is the best golfer in the world right now. Rankings say that. But I don't know necessarily if he's going to repeat. And if he's not going to repeat, then that doesn't really make me want to play him that much. So... You know, I'm looking at a couple of others. If I had to go for the top three price players, I'd probably pick Rory. He seems in a good place right now. So uh, I, I, I think uh, Rory could be a, a decent option there. Uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll swing it over to Devo, Devo as well. So since 1991, <clears throat> only five champions have finished better than 15th in their title defense of the U.S. Open. If you're into patterns and trends there. But if you're into driving distance, Dustin Johnson's kind of the man. And he's playing excellent golf, but he blew up last week. You know, I was out on the river and kind of didn't get to see what happened. Like, what made Dustin Johnson fall apart last week? And is that going to reduce his ownership enough to make us really interested? Well, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think the thing about DJ is that was the tournament, his last tournament before a major. His wife was ready to have a baby at any at any moment and like 
Yeah. So yeah, he's having a he's he, his mind was not playing golf. Now you could say he's kind of had the same problem for um, the last couple of starts because you know going back to the players is when we had issues. But uh, I think that you know DJ really sets up good for this course today. I don't think he's a must play because the price is so much higher. I mean, you can get you know guys like Jason day and Ricky Fowler for 2000 cheaper. And that's a huge upgrade, but I definitely am not going to full on fade Dustin Johnson this week. I think that's, that's crazy talk. Yeah. I, I'm actually hoping for a bloodbath at the top. I really am. I, I I'm sort of leaning most of my rosters towards day. Um, you know, he's, he's current form is suspect for the quality of player he is. But he's played six U.S. Opens and he's top ten in five of them, uh, which you know I don't really take course. I, I don't look at past history for U.S. Opens in terms of uh, course fit, but just event conditions. He plays U.S. Opens pretty well. He's a long hitter. When he's on his game, he's one of the best putters on tour or in the world. So you know I, I'm I'm actually leaning more towards day and giving myself a little bit more roster flexibility. Uh, what do you think of Rory using this new tailor-made putter, this red spider that everybody's using, Devo? Because his putters really let him down. Do you think this changes his fortunes at all? Because I, I'm pretty impressed that Rory was able to get out and play 36 holes out here. And I feel like he's my favorite spend-up. He and I'm with you on Jason Day. But curious your thoughts on the new putter for Rory. I mean, I, I don't think there's really much that we can, you know, judge on that. He's Rory. He's, you know, one of the best in the world. And if he says, this is the putter that I want to take to the U.S. Open, then I'm for him. Uh, Vegas has him at just under 13 to 1 to win. I think people might be off of him because of his rib injury a month ago. Uh, and he says he feels fine playing all these holes. So, uh, I agree with you. Rory is very long off the tee. In fact, he's pretty good at the stat of average distance from the center of the fairway. Uh, he's kind of my favorite spend up too, but I worry about Rory's tee time. He's got a round one tee time of 2.09 in the afternoon. And if weather forecasts hold the way they do, there's a distinct advantage to the Thursday morning tee time, which Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, John Rahm have. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the weather, um, I haven't looked too close at that, Gib. Do you, do you, do you agree with Devo that there's going to be a bias? Okay, so Windfinder, I, I see where Devo sees it. Windfinder has it. I'm guessing you're looking at that, Devo, Windfinder? Yeah, there's also a, a distinct difference in weather.gov. It's not significant. Yeah. But if, you know, just, you know, four miles an hour is a stroke, and if you consider the gusts on Windfinder, it's – could be a serious thing. And like the only defense for this herds and fry course is the wind and the fescue. So if the wind stays down, you can definitely cut up this course with its wide fairways. But if you have wind blowing you into the fescue, you can see some very ugly scores. Yeah. And see, I have like, I have two different wind sites and both of them say completely off opposite things. And so now I'm in two minds of which actually has the advantage at the moment. I, I am leaning more towards what Devo said, but at the same time, I'm a bit sort of worried that if it flips and, you know, weather changes all the time. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to grasp the weather. We won't really know better until right before lock, but 
you know, if we do see advantage on either side, that's what we should go with, or that's we, we should sort of plan a little bit better for that. So at the moment, I'm seeing two different things from two different sites, so I'm a bit nervous about that. Definitely check the uh, weather forecast from Kevin Roth in our forums uh, over mm -hmm. at Roto Grinders. He'll have it updated for you here shortly. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth, again, we talked about him playing well in Chambers Bay, similar style, of course. I'm okay with him. Uh, what is your take on John Rahm here? He's another guy that he hasn't played great in, you know, at TPC in that third round he blew up, missed a cut in a pretty soft event. And I just wonder if he's got the temperament to kind of win this tournament that I feel could be frustrating for players at times. Uh, initially right now, I, I'm going to probably have very few shares of John Rahm. That's scary, but uh, I don't see me going there. What are your thoughts on Rahm, Devo? I like Rahm a lot. I think he's got the best combination of driving distance and average proximity to the center of the fairway. If he can stay in that fairway and stay long off the tee, he's also excellent uh, in the strokes gained approach this season, sixth. Third in strokes gained off the tee, uh, second in par four scoring, 11th in par five scoring. His only weakness is around the green, but uh, the chipping areas around the green are very true and smooth and kind of big wide greens might give him a little bit more room to work. Uh, I just, I agree with you, Dan. I don't know how to quantify his temperament, um, but I know he's got the talent to excel on this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was 23rd last year in the U.S. Open. People forget about that as an amateur. So he did wow. play pretty well um, a, a season ago. Uh, let's kind of move down to that next range. Uh, unless you got anybody, anything else you want to talk about here, Give? I mean, we kind of bypassed Ricky Fowler, who, especially on FanDuel in particular, he's 11, he's 2,000 cheaper on FanDuel than, than say, DJ is at the top at 9,200. I think he'll be a little bit chalkier over there than um, on DK. But – Justin says, you know, he's he picked him to win the tournament this week. So, you know, he's a pretty smart guy. So, uh, yeah, I like I mean, Ricky, but I still I still have nightmares. And I finally won a Thunderdome ticket in the Chambers Bay U.S. Open, and I had Ricky on that team. Ricky with uh, Louis, yeah, that was yeah, and yeah, and and Tiger or and and uh, what's his face? Uh, Ricky shot like eight mm -hmm. over that first day. It was over. It was like the biggest waste of a five k ticket in my life. So. I still have some buyer's remorse from that uh, from that day. Well, I mean, if we're worried about fescue, Ricky Fowler does a lot of things great, but you know, he does blow up from time to time, and you know, he's cruising along one minute and then he drops an eight on you. So that's just Ricky. So you know, with, with trouble left and right for a lot of these holes, I'm sort of staying away from Ricky. Uh, Ram, his temperament does worry a little bit. I like Day, and so I'm hoping a lot of people go with three above, three below, and Day is on an island there. You know, if I get under, uh, well, actually, Sergio could be a decent option as well. I think he might go overlooked as well. Uh, it's hard to say that about the uh, defending Masters champion, but uh, he does get his popular picks. I mean, there are people who play Sergio each mass, each major, so, you know, he might get some ownership there, but under under the 10k range i'm looking i'm looking at henrik stenson and i'm hoping someone might talk me out of it but well the good news is there's no water you know yes. you got that going for you well on the first hole actually it's it's uh, the fescue covers the wetland so oh, technically man. i think there is a little bit of water there on the first hole on the left there but yeah exactly um 
you know, a lot of people comparing this a little bit to Chambers Bay. I've heard Pinehurst number two in the terms of it's uh, taking the water away. I'm sort of seeing a little bit of British Open in this course as well. Not, not a, a whole bunch, but just a little bit. Some of those blind tee shots. And Stenson, you know, he's a defending British Open champ. Um, so he can uh, take the driver's hand, get the three wood going so he can pipe it down the middle. He hits a three wood uh, longer than some people hit drivers. So I, I, I like Stenson for being a contrarian player at this price. He'll be very contrarian because, you know, I read a new feature that we have in our expert uh, survey and, you know, they're giving some more details on their, their thoughts or whatnot. And who is the guy you have to have in your cash game? Everybody but one person said Adam Scott. And I don't get the love for Adam Scott. I might be a full-on fade for Adam Scott. I know he looks good, but he doesn't look great. And if he is going to be mega chalky, kind of like Kyle Stanley was last week, uh, I'm willing to kind of plant my flag against against Adam Scott because the numbers are okay for his recent game, his recent tournaments. But at no point in time did I ever feel like Adam Scott was going to win those. Even last week, kind of backdoored his way into a, a decent finish, and that was a very weak field. Like, I don't see the love for Adam Scott. I am off of Adam Scott, especially at high ownership, like I think we're going to see on FanDuel. Maybe I'm a fish for this one, Devo, but, but I'm not buying it. I, I just don't think he's informed to win a major. He's good. Might give you a top 20, but – I'm not going there. I agree with you, Dan, and I can see why other people are attracted to Adam Scott. He's 30 to one, according to Vegas, which is a pretty good buy as far as his price tag goes on DK. He's also got length off the tee as well as accuracy. He excels in total driving. Uh, this does seem like a course that fits up with you, but I think you nailed the analysis. Uh, he looks good, but not great. And if he's going to be chalked, then he's an easy fade to me. And Gib, I'm sorry, I can't talk you off of Henrik Stenson. I tried to look deeper to give you a good reason to get off of him. I was off of him too, but now I'm back on him. It looks like he's played three events overseas, 26 last uh, two weeks ago in the Nordea Masters, third in the BMW Championship. Plus he had a 16th at the player, so Stenson is going to be under-owned. He's a guy that takes three wood off the tee and still is above average in driving distance. I mean – Remember when Stenson was like the best after the British Open for a long time? And there was like, well, you can't fade Stenson. He's just too good. Like, Yeah, and Stenson was the best after he won the FedEx Cup too. So yeah. there's, 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 there's waves of Stenson. So yeah, and that wasn't very long ago. He burnt so many people earlier in the year, and he burnt everyone last year too. He withdrew. He was one under, and he withdrew because of, I think it's a knee issue. So the only thing that scares me is he's in his potential injuries that he might not be sort of divulging enough information on. Well, I, I think that be that, that finish at the BMW, that's a really loaded field out there too. Yeah. So that's not like a chumpy yeah. European tour tournament and to finish top three, I think he just confidence goes a long way in golf and let's face it. He had none of it there for that stretch of four or five weeks where you know, you're just waiting for him to do well, and he's missing cuts, dumping it into the water. So I think he's a great contrarian play because I think more people will go to Rose. Uh, Matsuyama, I, I don't think, can do it. Um, he's another guy who's putting. has gotten progressively worse since he won. And, you know, I don't know about you, but 
I have a tough time investing a lot of my salary cap in a guy who literally when he hits good shots acts like they're crappy shots. You know, he, he swings and he loses that one arm or whatever. And you're like, Oh, this one's going to end up, you know, 15 yards in the rough. And therefore, you know, it's, it's fine in the middle of the green, like, or he's going to birdie. Yeah. I'm like a temperament guy, especially in a course like this. And he just seems to have this level of expectation and, you factor that in with putting. I don't. I'm off of Matsuyama in this tournament. Not a great history in this either. I mean, last year, you know, 119th uh, the finish. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't have Matsuyama either. Uh, what do you think of uh, Kepka? Another name that some people are are saying pop. Devo, any thoughts on him? He's obviously a big hitter. Yeah, I mean, you have to take you have to really buy the narrative of he found something a few weeks ago at the range and, you know, his form has been fine, but nothing too exceptional. His stats are still pretty poor on the season. Nothing like they saw, like they looked a few years ago. And if Kepka is going to be more popular than Stenson, I think it's an easy pivot off to Stenson. All right, let's move on to the next kind of uh, level. And uh, one guy that I think there's a, pretty big price differential gap between FanDuel and DraftKings and that's Brandon Grace 8,600 on DraftKings 7,700 on FanDuel when he's getting under 8k there Gib uh, I think that is a really kind of nice fair and balanced guy to to plug into your lineups over there probably going to be a lot chalkier with eight players that you have to choose from um, I'm a little you know I think ownership certainly matters when you do that because you can get guys upwards of 50% owned like we had last week with Ricky Fowler and, and Kyle Stanley. And, you know, one of those guys doesn't make the cut. It can really swing things. Um, and maybe he is that guy, but you know, I think he sets up pretty well for this course with the uh, kind of links feel that it has. So uh, I think that's maybe chalk on FanDuel. I I'm willing to eat a little bit this week. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, James Bay, he, he was in contention to yeah. win it. So should have won it if he didn't duck hook it out into the, uh, the, the railroad tracks. Yeah. Like, and, and so also Oakmont, I think he top 10 he's, he's becoming a, a pretty good uh, U S open uh, player. He, I think he will be chalky. I've heard his name mentioned a whole bunch. I personally can't get behind him. I don't have any luck with South African golfers. I never have except for Charles Schwarzel. I feel like I jinx him every single time I play him. Uh, which makes me feel bad for Louis Louis Ustays in this week. So, um, but you know, I, I I'm looking at it. Uh, I see Grace, I see Kepka, Stenson, and Scott. <sighs> yeah, I, I I just don't really feel it. I mean, I, I think Grace is a, a good play. I just jinx him every time I own him. So I'm not going to own him, but I I, I love the play. I, I just can't bring myself to hit draft on on that button there. Uh, anybody else in this? Let's talk about these other 8K players here, Devo. Um, another kind of pricing difference. Paul Casey under 15 on FanDuel. Pretty good value over there. I don't I don't hate him, but another guy. Not great in U.S. Opens and seemingly always has high expectations to finish well and kind of disappoints. So, um, you know, you got him. Thomas is interesting. He's another guy. Remember, early in the year, he was red hot. And I think he's a guy, when he gets his form going – He's as good as anybody, and, you know, he can compete with Spieth, Rory, Day when he's on his game, and I think it could be turning for him. I'm, I'm kind of a JT believer. 
Yeah, Vegas is too. They've got them at almost uh, just over 31 to win this whole thing, which is better than every single golfer, you know, priced up to Adam Scott and right up there with Henrik Stenson. So people that pay attention to that are probably going to be owning Justin Tonimus, but also his stats look really good. Like I'm looking at six different stats to consider for him and they all look great. And he finished fourth two weeks ago. So it seems like everything is clicking for JT. I just worry that by the time Wednesday evening rolls around, he's going to be a little bit more popular than we expect him to be right now. Well, I think the most popular level is going to be this next one in kind of the 7K range. There are some real, um, I think, underpriced and guys that uh, that people are going to be wanting to roster here. Uh, and I think it starts with Louis Eustace and it's 7,400 here, fellas. Like, I think this guy is going to be – very popular another one that you know in golf in particular like i get fading the chalk because it's a, a very predictable game but i feel like the value is so good on him on DraftKings at 7400 that uh man it's tough to get it away from him gib i love him a good bit here today and then you've got the other steady guys i mean you can load your lineup up with these 7k guys you got kuchar um is you know obviously going to make the cut he almost always makes the cut for five for five in the last uh, few u.s opens um norin could be sneaky because he's good from the euro tour but um thoughts on 7k range here Gib? uh yeah i, I couldn't agree with more with you about matt, matt kutcher he plays pretty well at U.S. Opens because usually he's coming straight from a memorial where he's playing pretty well. So he's riding high on confidence uh, usually coming into most U.S. Opens, at least in recent years. So I don't feel like that's going to change. Uh, he's going to be extremely chalky, but you know, if we're going to play potentially contrarian up top, then I don't mind mixing contrarian with a little bit of chalk. Uh, Sometimes it's you know necessity. If you think Matt Kutcher is going to top ten, then there's no reason not to take him. If you firmly believe that that's going to be the case, um, you know I, I see Luis Dozen, you know second at the Players. He's a British Open winner. Uh, Chambers, Chambers Bay. He came second though. Yeah, he came second. Second was Spieth, didn't he? Who is this? Louis Oosthuizen came second at Chambers Bay. I'm. Or he came in the, at least in yes, the top Yes, he did. Five. He was tied for second. Yep, yeah, for so, second. I mean, he's he's proven himself on a course like Chambers Bay. You know, some blind tee shots, some British Open sort of history there. He's won that major before. So, you know, I think he's going to be fairly, fairly well-owned, you know, coming off the second place at the players as well, or at least, you know, high finish at the players. Uh, I couldn't watch it because I couldn't watch Siwoo Kim uh, win a win a tournament of that stature, <laughs> considering the fact that he's withdrawn six times before that. So uh, you know, Rafael Cabrera-Bello is another player who I'm sort of intrigued with. Kevin Kisner, I mean, since they've mowed down the the fescue, I, I was sort of liking Kevin Kisner more. He's one of the most straightest hitters on on tour, and in uh, the last. U.S. Open, he, he did pretty well in uh, fairways hit as well. So there's, there's a couple of players out there. And let's not forget about Shane Lowry. He seems to be another player. Oh, yeah. uh, U.S. Open, you know, he's, he's really good for U.S. Opens. He was uh, leading after three rounds last year. And he did uh, finish in the top 10 at Chambers Bay as well. So he's becoming a U.S. Open player as well. Even Charles Schwartzel, I don't even hate yeah. him. I like, I like <laughs> good form. And uh, he's a hole away from, you know – winning last week like he was mm -hmm. right there uh Devo add to that like um 
you know, especially like ownership wise, is there somebody that we're not talking about that's, that could be the forgotten man in this range? Yes, there is. Let me first address the other guys you mentioned. I think that they all make excellent cash game plays. But for GPPs, I'm going elsewhere because of their length off the tee. All those guys are pretty short to average off the tee. And ownership. I mean, they're just kind of solid, no-brainer household names that, you know, a lot of people are just going to gravitate to. My guy in this range is Thomas Peters at 7.7K. The Belgian bomber is extremely long off the tee. He gains strokes both off the tee and on the approach. He's decent with a flat stick, and he gets to 7.51 a.m. Thursday morning tee time. If everybody's going to go to the names that you all mentioned, that's the only guy that I'm going to go to. I love him for GPPs. I get nervous if I'm playing catch games with him. But Of course, uh, yeah. I don't but, play that, but that's what you do. Uh, and But he makes a lot of sense. I, and I think he's going to be a little bit popular because he played well at the Masters, had a legit shot of winning that tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of the notoriety behind the, um, the Ryder Cup as well. Some people are starting to know him, but – you're right. Yes. This is just a loaded up spot here. I mean, yeah. so many guys. And what about Steve Stricker? I mean, we buying this narrative there, Give that this Wisconsin boy is going to come home and somehow win on his turf, uh, you know, with this like monstrous course and this guy who hits his driver like like 270. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I think it's a little bit too much of a narrative for me to get behind. But he's been good at, at, at majors. Like, I think he's, you know, the, you look at his last 30 majors, he's been pretty good in those. Yeah, um, I I think the narrative is there, and I think the narrative is going to be bought. Um, and, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have all six in the top ten to win the million dollars at the U.S. Open, because if memory serves me correct, I think there was a couple of 20th place finishes uh, for the Chambers Bay one, just that they had Spieth and Louis Oosthuizen, um, or you know, a mixture of a couple of the top tens because there's going to be a greater percentage of, um, you know, five, four, three out of sixes. There's going to be less percentage of uh, six out of sixes. So uh, I don't mind Stricker for cash games. And, you know, if you think he's going to top 10, then play him. But I don't feel like he's going to top 10. He might get in the top 25. So I don't hate it completely. But, you know, he does he does pretty well at... I think he has a mentality for a U.S. Open, so I don't hate it. But at the same time, you're probably not going to uh, differentiate your lineup that much because I think the narrative will be bought. All right, let's keep moving in these uh, 7K range. I don't want any piece of Russell Henley. Um, he just looks terrible right now. Like I'd say, like X him out in your lineup builder. Do not use him. I, I don't get it. You know, he's lost his form, and this isn't the tournament I want to kind of go there. I've heard some buzz about Bern Wiesberger. Um, he's all right. But the guy I like, Brendan Steele, dude just makes cuts. Uh, and again, maybe maybe more of a cash game play because I don't know if he's a top 10 finisher here. But uh, especially on fantasy draft, really cheap over on that site. So uh, there's a kind of site-specific play there. Uh, what do you think of your boy, Devo? Because I love the way you say it. Francesco Mananari. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think of him? You know, not typically a guy that, that hits the ball deep, but uh, solid enough finish uh, last week. And I, I don't know. I feel like a little, little too cheap, maybe, on DraftKings. Maybe. 
Yeah, I didn't realize you were going to Francesco on me there. I thought you were going to Brendan of Steel because he is my boy too. <laughs> the Man of Steel is a guy that I talk of a lot, and I like him because of his length off the tee and his par five scoring. And this is the first U.S. Open since 1991 that we've had a full complement of four par fives. So I love the Man of Steel, and I'm going to disagree with you, Dan. I think that the Man of Steel is a better GPP play than Molinari is because Molinari really sticks out like a sore thumb as far as like his price tag to Vegas odds go. And he does pop statistically. So I think that Molinari is going to be more popular than Steele. But Steele has a more volatile range of outcomes with more upside. See, I kind of agree with you, but I also don't know if either of these two guys are going to be like, you could be like three percentage, four percentage points difference in ownership. I don't think this is like a, you know, Louis Oosthuizen is a guy where I feel like it's just going to be light years ahead of the field in ownership. Uh, ownership projections has him, you know, pretty highly owned for, you know, where his salary is at. I just don't know if it's going to be that much of a difference between those two guys, but I know you're the Brendan Steele whisperer. Uh, all right, moving on to the uh, upper sixes here, Gib. You know, this is uh, some more of the territory where we're dealing with guys that have a, you know, very large range of outcomes. And is there anybody in this range that you think can win? I think that's a question for you. Win? Well, I mean, 7K, you have Mark Keimer, who won in 2014. It's not – Aaron, Wisconsin isn't far away from Germantown. Um, that is legit. I got play. a German for you. I got a German for you a little later. I, I have a feeling I know who that German is, too. Um, but, you know, win? I mean, I, I don't really see many winners here. But I can see some players who might top 10. You know, Emilio Grillo is a, is a player, you know, he's all-round ranking, top 30. He's a cut maker, top 30 in the ball striking as well. Um, Alexander Levy, the, uh, the Frenchman, he's uh, had some pretty decent uh, U.S. Opens over the last uh, couple of years. So, or at least I think it was last year he had a pretty good uh, outing. So I, I don't mind him. <sighs> I, say it. Say it. Say it? Say it. I was Come just going to say, Peter Uline is a player who I was pretty no, much on. No, no. I played DFS Euro a, a lot, and Peter Uline is always who I roster in there. Um, and he burnt everyone last week. He uh, MDF'd uh, at the uh, St. Jude Classic. So, uh, yeah, I think people might be off him. He's played this course in 2011 when they at the U.S. Uh, Amateur. So he's, he's had some experience on this course as well. You know, it is a linksy type course. He is a European tour player, so there might be some intrigue there. Uh, when he burnt a lot, he was, a, I think, second highest owned player last week, and he MDF'd. So I think not a lot of people are going to go back to that well. Um, as for saying it, I don't know who I'm meant to be saying in the. Oh program. come on, you you know. He's my boy. I'm back on oh. my boy's train oh, a little oh, bit here. Oh, I, I didn't know we we're going to go that low down. Oh yeah, Lee Westwood. I like Lee Westwood this week at 6,800. Hey. I think, I think, I think this is a spot for him. Uh, Link style mm -hmm. and really off the radar, zero expectations. Uh, I don't think he was terrible the last couple of the Euro tours either. Was no, he? no, he's almost strictly European tour player now. He doesn't really play over here in the U.S. much. I don't think he's going to win, but there is absolutely no reason why Lee Westwood can't actually get in the top ten. Uh, he, you know, he's obviously he's going to choke something away, 
but you're not rostering people at six eight where you you're definitive he's gonna win. Uh, if you are and it hits, well, I and, mean, yeah, yeah, but no, no, you yeah, have a no. chance of winning. Like I think he's he's still got the pedigree to get a W. And here's yeah. a question: Ben on or Lee Westwood? Who'd you rather have? Just uh, Lee Westwood. Uh, he, I think he has more of a uh, major feel to him. I think he can get up in the majors. I don't know if Ben on Hank can uh, or not, but you know he. Yeah, I, I'd probably pick Lee, uh, Lee Westwood. All right, we're running short on time here, boys. Uh, we got to get to some off the board picks here, kind of below the seven K range. Uh, I'll give you a couple of guys I like. Billy Horschel this week. He when he's hot, you want to play him. He is hot. He is my number one guy on the cheap this week that I will be rostering. Uh, Devo, give me a couple of kind of off the board names here as we wrap the show up. I'm going to agree with you on Billy Ho. I like his distance and I love his recent form. Uh, it's a great call. Uh, I think Mark Leishman is an interesting spot. He clicks, uh, checks all the statistical boxes for me. Pretty long off the tee and uh, nice form himself. He's another guy below 7K that can win. Uh, Jamie Lovemark is probably my favorite dark horse of the week at 6.8K. Finished uh, 18th a couple years ago at the U.S. Open. He's in fine form and he's very long off the tee. Probably going to be severely overlooked with a 7.30 a.m. tee time. And, yeah, I don't think you really need to get much cheaper than uh, Billy Ho myself. Go for it. Go, go for it, Gib. Give me some uh, off-the-board plays here. Okay, uh, a player who's been playing pretty well. He's, uh, I think, one MDF and then uh, three top 20s uh, in his last four starts is David Lingmuth. He has some really good uh, U.S. Open history. I think he's... I think he hasn't been under the uh, – I think he has no better than – or no worse than a top 20 in two U.S. Open starts. He seems to play these tougher courses better than most, so I don't hate that play. Um, GMAC, it's – you know, I was a bit worried about him last week, uh, but he is a former U.S. Open winner. His form is much better now than it has been in, in previous years. Uh, maybe it's all those lawsuits that he had, him versus Rory, or sorry, his company versus Rory, or Rory versus his company. Uh, if we're looking at big hitters, Englishmen, oh, actually, sorry, I, I had Chris Wood uh, measured, but I think he's just an alternate, so I won't go there. If he ends up in the field, Chris Wood is a a decent play but i think right now he's an alternate right now uh they added a whole bunch of alternates into the uh DraftKings pool so uh it's it's you gotta sort of make sure always make sure you, that the tea time your player has a tea time because there are alternates and check for phil as well because he may or may not play my uh last uh pick would be a fantasy draft play only it's a south african player oliver becker He's uh, on the Sunshine Tour over there in, the, in South Africa. His last five starts on that tour on the Sunshine Tour is third, first, 30th, first, and third. And third. Uh, you know, That's it pretty is, good. I don't care what tour you're playing. That's pretty good. So. Yeah, he can only play the tournaments that he can play. And he's playing that, so he's riding high. And, you know, at Fantasy Draft, he's, I think, 10,600. So, you know, if, if you want to play the punting uh, one spot in Fantasy Draft, that would be the spot to take it, I think, uh, at minimum price or near minimum price because he might have and, potential to sort of make the cut. And that's a viable strategy over on Fantasy Draft and maybe even on FanDuel where you just, you know, eight of eight, if you get that guy who makes the cut, 
who's on the cheap. I don't have a problem when it's it's hard to get eight of eight. But if you think he can make the cut, he doesn't need to be a top tenner. Uh, Steven Yeager, the other name that I think is fantasy draft and FanDuel eligible for you. Two of his last three wins happened on the web.com tour last three starts. So uh, we're out of here. Thank you so much for giving us a watch here at Roto Grinders. Uh, he is Gib Pollard. He is Brian Devonshire. I am Dan Bach. Justin will be back in this seat next week. So uh, be sure to check us out at Roto Grinders for all of our great premium content including our expert marketplace tour junkies package. And until next week, I'm Dan Bach wishing you best of luck here uh, on the U S open. And we'll talk to you next week here at rotogrinders.com. See you everybody. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.